Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about 20 years now, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens, the head coach and owner of Strength Guild, Highland Games athlete, powerlifter, all-around crazy guy. Hey, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson, creator of the Flex Diet Certification, faculty member at the Kerrig Institute, and I made it out of Costa Rica back Ooh. home. Nice. And I'm Dan John. I'm sitting here at some god-awful hour of the day, staring at a computer <laughs> screen. I'm a strength coach. I teach at St. Mary's in Twickenham, London, and at Columbia College in uh, Missouri. Sweet. There you go. Thanks for joining us again, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And waking up this early. Yeah, so. I, yeah, it's still I, the colors in the sky are scaring me. There's... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, everybody. So today we've got a timely episode. We're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, I've got two. This is just serendipity, I think. But it was editor's choice research blurbs here. So I, I'm guessing this has some connotations for the current situation that we all find ourselves in some people are you know laid up in bed some people are quarantining at home whatever uh so i'm going to talk just a little bit about protein uh in our specific resistance trained population strength and muscle sport news Uh, maybe you can extrapolate some tips about how not to lose muscle mass if you are stuck in a bedroom for a week or two um and then uh phil will just take over and Shoot the shit with uh, with Dan about keeping it simple at home and training and that kind of stuff. So uh, let's start with this first one. Uh, this is from Emily Howard and colleagues, Advances in Nutrition, brand new stuff. Skeletal muscle disuse atrophy and the rehab role of protein in recovery. Uh, now, this is mostly from musculoskeletal injury. Uh, but it, it goes on to it basically it says there's a slow recovery, persistent uh, deficits after basically you get laid up, right, with uh, injury and you muscle disuse and all of that sort of thing. Evidence suggests that manipulating protein intake or free amino acid based supplements can diminish the muscle atrophy and or preserve muscle function, uh, at least in experimental models of disuse. So there's like immobilization models. um Back in the day, we used to talk about putting casts on people's calves, for example, like on their lower limb, and you know, purposely make their their gastroc and soleus waste away a little bit. Uh, in rat models, we would put them a hind limb suspension model. Mike, you know what I'm talking about? They put the little oh, yeah. the little wheels, and so the little rat butt is up in the air, so they can't use their back legs, and they they basically atrophy. Um, bed rest, right? In healthy people, uh, I've. I've heard in the past about bed rest studies where people – they give them a couple of hundred bucks, but, I mean, they're just laid up. I mean, they basically are paid to lay there, and that sounds fun, but after a couple of days, that's not so fun. Um, so anyway, there's lots of ways to make people waste away, and bed rest is one of them. And, I mean, when you couple that with having a virus or, or something like that killing your appetite, you could see why in the hospital we push – calories and protein on people right because they're not hungry we've got them drinking all kinds of liquid supplements anyway it says given that exercise sensitizes skeletal muscle to the anabolic effect of protein ingestion early rehab may act synergistically with dietary protein to protect muscle mass and then they go on to sort of speculate about the possible synergistic effects of protein with rehab 
I don't have a ton of details other than that. It's a big re, it's a big uh, review article. Uh, but it does make me think about – I was at an NIH conference in Chicago a couple of years ago. It's been more than a couple now. And all of the all the dietitians were sort of pulling at their chins and like, what can we do to try to keep people from wasting away? You know, whether it's like renal disease or cancer wasting or whatever. And I mean, they're like, we've tried working with the physicians and anabolic hormones and, and this and this and this. And you can't just give them more protein. It doesn't automatically go to work where you want it. And I raised my hand. This crowd of like 500 people. And I'm like, resistance training? Like, like mm. this was like an epiphany. And I'm like, you guys, we need more crosstalk across disciplines because damn, right? Sensitize your muscles. Send a little blood flow down there. Take the amino acids where they should be. I don't know. It just seemed obscene to me. But anyway. So, yeah, I guess I, the take home for listeners might be if you are laid up, uh, probably consume more protein than you think you need. I mean, if you're the kind of person who counts and tries to get a gram per pound or something, try to maintain that because when you get sick, your appetite, you know, fails. And if you're not moving around much, like I can tell you, I've been locked to my keyboard. Phil and I were talking before I hit record button uh, today, um, all moving all my classes completely online. Uh, and I was pretty well set up to do that already because of the podcasting and everything I already do. But yeah, I'm. I, I've lifted three times this week, like kind of like uh, I, not my usual fare, you know. And so, and I find myself very sedentary, sitting here at a desk. I'm not running up and down flights of stairs two at a time, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, if you're stuck at home uh, and you're you're sick, then eat right. Eat. I'm a big fan of feed a cold kind of thing. And then one last thing. This is the Editor's Choice article. This is from the Journal of Nutrition. Uh, this is brand spanking new this month. Protein intake to maximize whole body anabolism during post-exercise recovery. And interestingly, in resistance-trained men with high habitual intakes. So uh, here's, the, here's the gist of this one. The indicator amino acid oxidation technique, the IAAO. Provide the non-invasive estimate of protein intake that maximizes whole body protein synthesis and net protein balance. So they use this IAAO technique to determine the maximal anabolic response to post-exercise protein ingestion. And here's what, again, what's neat about this. This isn't extrapolated from sick people or elderly or, or who knows what. This is, these are young guys, uh, 24-year-olds. Regular weight trainers on high-protein diets. And so this population specificity caught my eye, right? Because there's a lot of talk about if you're on super high-protein diets all the time, your body will adapt. You'll be a little bit more of a protein oxidizer, you know, protein burner, if you will, and that kind of stuff. So they use their technique. These guys, they're not large individuals. They're only 80-kilogram guys. But again, they're young, weight-trained, and they're used to eating lots of protein, they use linear regression, and they did like a breakpoint analysis. So basically, it, it lets us figure out at what point on a curve are they getting the most benefit. So I'll just cut to the, the conclusion here so we can get to, uh, to Dan. But uh, a breakpoint protein intake of 2 grams per kg per day is what maximized whole body anabolic response in these resistance-trained young men after exercise. And it says the capacity to enhance whole body net Balance may be greater than previously suggested to maximize muscle protein synthesis in resistance-trained athletes accustomed to high habitual protein intakes. So this, over the years, I know sometimes Phil will roll his eyes justifiably. So he's like, oh, so you're saying about a gram per pound. Thanks, Lonnie. <laughs> mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's more, it's more evidence than before, and it's in a very specific population that I think that mirrors our, a lot of our listeners, you know, that – they're already weight training. They're already eating tons of protein. How much should they consume? And it looks like uh, almost it's, – it's almost a gram per pound. A gram per pound is still excess. But Yeah. So – Did it, it say how much they were habitually eating? Uh, I haven't dug that deep. I haven't drilled down that far. I uh, have to pull that up, Mike. But Yeah, that's all right. I was just curious. It may be the change in protein too possibly, but I agree with the numbers on it. Yeah, and you know, two grams per kg every day. That's um, yeah. that's pretty high when you're talking about a lot of these government guidelines. You know. Oh, definitely. So we're not crazy, 
once again, you know, we guinea pig ourselves and we're not so crazy after all. Okay. Uh, that's all I've got, Phil. That's it. Okay, Dan, let's get caught up. Simple. What have you been up to? It's been a couple of years. You know, when uh, it was at Heidinger, uh, Physiology of Strength, uh, German work translated into English in 61. But the same things, we're still studying the same things we studied in the 1950s. Mm. And we knew that resistance training uh, for people who, and, and protein, uh, were good for people who were you know, coming off of injuries. And we, we keep coming back to the same things. I, 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 I just... I'm glad we're still doing this, the research, but God, I feel like we proved that resistance training and protein were, and vitamin D were good things a long time ago. Yeah, and it just—I'm I'm amazed when people are still not putting those links together. You know, I uh, think part of it, Dan. I think a lot of this is is politics, uh, po- frankly, because Mike and I know when you go to conferences that aren't sports nutrition. Mm-hmm. You can barely get them to budge the RDA, and for us, it's that's pitiful, right? 0.8 grams per kg. We eat that in a meal, you know. That's breakfast. Yeah, it's breakfast, uh, and yet it's almost impossible to get them to change those opinions. Like I said I, at that conference I met, I'm like, how about resistance training to couple with yeah. the protein? And you're right, you could go back many decades and be like, well, you know, people love to dis discredit almost like the bodybuilding crowd. It's like. These guys are guinea pigging stuff and almost like force blasting their way through solutions for the last how many decades, and you can find fault with that. But and, and, uh, to be fair, science I always say moves. It's so incremental; they have to validate. You know what? What population are we looking at? Sure. You know what dose exactly? A different way to analyze it, like this breakpoint analysis they were doing. But you're right, and that's why I always sort of you know defer to Phil. I'm like Phil, I know we know this one already. <laughs> like, this is one that weight trainers have known for ages. I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, that's just, it. Just amazes me though. Uh, it's, this is nothing new under the sun. The, not the sun, vitamin D. Okay, but uh, we. I mean, they were doing those cast uh, experiments. You know, the one limb casted stuff. Yeah. That yeah. We don't need repeated anymore. We don't need to put you know people in casts. It's been done. Uh, and it's been repeated, but that's just me. But yep, crazy, yeah, yeah. Uh, folks, if you get a chance, physiology of strength, uh, and it's Henniger, H E T T I N G E R, phenomenal book, uh, great book. Uh, I, I go back to it all the time. I mean, literally daily. Uh, um, <clears throat> but hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> Good, been keeping busy. How about yourself? What have you been up to lately? Well, most, mostly I've been on the phone canceling flights with Delta. <sighs> That's uh, yeah. all, every workshop I'm doing has been canceled. But hey, my life is good. <clears throat> yeah. I think the last time, well, I know that maybe the first time we ever talked, I was in uh, North Carolina at a wedding and I had mm. to get to Walmart to get uh, cell phone service. <laughs> uh. I think we've talked on this before, so uh, my life is good. Uh, training is going really well, like my, my own personal training. Uh-huh. I'm just so happy to. I'm, I'm almost 63, and you know my lifts are still really good. My uh, I'm, I'm training hard. I'm strong. Uh, I, I got grandkids now, and you know hanging out with them and running around with them. And, um, I, I I have a new a new website that I'm really excited about. Um, this guy, Brian, read all my work, and then uh, he he asked if he could do a thing, and pretty soon we started this website. It's like the guy's inside my head. It's wonderful. Um, you know, he, he, so, yeah, things are good. Life is good. A lot of travel. Uh, they've been curtailed, but uh, haven't written a book in almost a year. Kind of <laughs> lose my edge here, you know. Uh. Yeah, it seems like you've been traveling a lot, lots of uh, seminars and stuff. And then, what, you're on two hip replacements now? Yeah. When, the second one? Uh, <clears throat> before you guys say my training stupid, uh, I was born with a condition called pistol grip hips. And my surgeon told me, yeah, the day you were born, you were destined for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my niece has it, Danielle. She had uh, braces as a child. My brother has it. My, my cousin has it. It's just a um, – <clears throat> when Stu McGill talks about the Scottish hip, it's in that family of things, yeah. But, the, yeah, so I didn't have a ball. I had like a, yeah, I had a pistol grip. 
instead of a ball socket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even when I was in high school, you know, you never, you don't question it because it's normal to you. But whenever we do like sleds, you know, uh, hit the sleds, mm-hmm. uh, my hips would click, you know, when I was pushing. And I just thought it was normal. Well, what that was was bone on bone. And uh, so, boy, getting that fixed. I lost 36 pounds in a year uh, after the total hip replacement. Oof. And people go, what was it, some secret diet? And, well, no, I'm not in pain 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> so what are you saying? So if, if you're in pain, that's bad for body composition? Yeah, yeah I yeah. think so. <laughs> right. You know, I'm no, I'm no scientist here, but I think chronic, horrible pain is probably not good for you. Mm-hmm. Are you guys writing this stuff down? Because this is genius. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel great. Um, it's funny. Uh, yesterday I was doing uh, hang snatches and overhead squats, and I thought to myself, "Man, you know, I don't know how many sixty-two and three quarters people are out there snatching and overhead squatting today." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always a good thing keeping keeping in the fight. So that's right. So, so what's the new website? Well, in fact, it's it's it'll. Um, it's called Dan John University, and I know it's a stupid name for a site, but I like it. Uh, DanJohnUniversity.com. Uh, and uh, what it is is a place uh, – it, it's getting harder and harder for me to publish my kind of articles now. Everybody wants seven, seven secrets to titanic triceps, mm-hmm. five ways to ravage your obliques. Amen, man. Three mm-hmm. ways to gastroc your gas – you know. You know. Yeah, yeah. Gaslight your gas drunk. Oh, that's good. Write that down. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my style of writing doesn't uh, – the, the, the modern reader uh, online and magazine, my style doesn't work. Uh, the storyteller style doesn't work. So it's nice. So the website has – oh, we've we're got to have probably over 100 essays at least. And they're all very recent within the last few months. And then uh, 12, maybe 13 downloads – a whole bunch of things like I have a program I do with the military called the post deployment program. I put that up there. Uh, all these new very uh, all these new insights on easy strength, which is a, a a phrase I use for a certain style of working out. Um, the the book Easy Strength I wrote with Pavel is just not it's not what it should have been, and so I've been trying to fix it uh, since it came out in eleven or twelve, and uh, so that's all up there. Oh, and then po- there's a podcast. And, but the coolest thing is called the Workout Generator, where you first put what equipment you have in, and then how many days a week you want to train, and, you know, uh, and then it spits out this workout. And then you look at the exercises, and there's videos on each one of them. But what I like best is if you feel like you just need to do air squats today, you can do air squats. Or you can, you know, ping it up to overhead squats all the way. It, it goes up and down. And, and um, just – as a favor, we agreed to drop the price. If you type in in all caps, uh, Corona, Corona, uh, you'll get a, I mean, the membership for three months is $29. Oh. Um, because we're just, so many people want to work out at home. And, and I get it. I'm watching all these trainers do this. Follow me. Uh, they're, they're going online. They're putting a video of them and they're saying, Work out with me. and that. So first, let's do push-up position plates. Now we're going to do the, the seated monkey crawl. Now we're going to do the, you know, the headless horse. Now we're going to do – and the problem is most people still want to you – know, so what I'm trying to do is – so you get a template. It's a little there's, – there's a little warm-up. There's a, there's a little stretching. There's, a, there's push-pull, hinge squat, loaded carry. It's real simple, it's, and, and you just do it on your own. If you have no equipment, you can do stuff at home too. Really proud of it. Sorry, mm-hmm. I did. By the way, there's not there's no sales. You guys know me. I'm that. That's just so we're doing it as a service to to help people while they're you know kind of locked down. Man. Right on. Yeah. Uh, that's and I love it. I I love the fact that I can write an article and I don't have to get it rejected. It makes me very happy. You know, Dan. I just to interject. I, one of the reasons that I stopped writing a lot of articles and we just like. Phil and I just when we started the podcast and stuff, and then you know, not that long thereafter, Mike's on board because the articles, right? I mean, I, I was starting to get in these sort of um, debates with editors about not wanting to say seven secrets to this and and five tips to that. It was so formulaic, I couldn't yes. do it, right? Because I used to I used to try to do 
sort of like what you you said, like storytelling. And I would I'd try to weave in a, like a mini uh, research, like literature review into that. You know, like what's the current state of the science? Like we we're just talking about protein and you know, in uh, bed rest or something like that. And yet Chris Shugart, who I love dearly, he's like, you got to make it a storyline. There's got to be some gold nuggets. Don't make it a lecture professor, you know? And, yeah. but yeah, but things kept moving more and more away from that. Like my usual reference list and Mike, you know what I'm talking about? You're equally guilty, you know, reference lit 20, 30 references and stuff. And, and yet it was a story and it wasn't just every single time, you know, the three secrets of the pros to big guns, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you, you go to a place like breaking muscle and I, you'd get an article up there. And by the time the afternoon came down, there were seven articles on top of it. And, yes. uh, you know, I'll go, I'll go in and look at breaking muscle uh, again, folks, please. I'm not uh, bodybuilding.com uh, T nation, which I, which I really like, but you'll notice that um, these one paragraph, articles are much more popular than anything in depth. And I just don't feel, I sometimes feel like it's a hard thing for me to get across. And I know I'm not good at it, but if I write, if I write about something that works for American football and special forces, and then the next article, I write about something that's good for uh, the middle age population or, you know, people who are office bound. Those are different the toolkit's the same. It's still the weight room, basically. It's still the park, basically, okay, the field. But it's a different set of things. And when you take away the the reasoning behind this or that, and you just say complexes are key to muscle mass and superior sports performance, and I'm going to get 100 emails from, but I work in an office, and I don't know how to do the Olympic lifts. Oh, that article wasn't for you. Well, why don't you say so? Well, I did before they edited it down to, you know, three sentences. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? That yeah. <clears throat> so there's a lot of confusion that I think comes out of this. Uh, you know, I, I remember when I wrote the article about complexes because uh, one of my football players, his dad was a firefighter, and all the firefighters were doing the complexes, and because they love the workouts. Well, if it if firefighters like it and America, it works for American football. I was like, well, okay. And so I put together a nice little thing. Well, and then instantly I get emails from people about, well, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm a 73 year old, you know, mom, a grandma, and I don't know how to, okay, that wasn't for you. That mm-hmm. this technique might not be, it's a good technique, but maybe not for you. Yeah. Well, I was a little bit long, but you got the point, I think. Yeah. Which is why I can't write for most magazines I talk to. <laughs> but, you know, storytelling, honestly, in the science world, there's a huge push to use storytelling to make things stick. Because that's how people remember. I mean, think about, like, you know, human culture oh, yeah. and society. Stories make it stick. And if, if you leave the story, the plot, the characters out of it, yeah, then it does become like a lecture or a brief, like, bulleted point oh. thing that gets buried <laughs> 10 deep by the afternoon, like you said, you know. So storytelling, I, I love what you do. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were talking about this last night and, you know, there's a difference between I was talking to one of my uh, the trainers at my gym about Tudor Bumpus stuff. And I was like, you should read it. But it's like reading stereo instructions. Like, There's a lot of good information there, but it's not like reading a Dan John article. Mm -hmm. Like it's easier for that stuff to stick. I mean, (laughs) right on. Well, you think about Carl and Cosmos and the demon haunted world. And I think the genius of Carl Sagan was his ability to be very academic and yet step back and then give you context. And I think that's our job. I have a, I'm doing this thing called the paper napkin series where I write up, for example, for nutrition, you guys can disagree, but uh, eat protein, eat veggies, drink water. Well, I feel that you should be able to explain everything on a napkin at a bar. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yet the moment you take that napkin and give it to somebody else, a thousand questions emerge. But basically, I mean, you know, the key to recovery is to sleep. I mean, I know that that's what the research constantly says, and that's what common sense says. But <clears throat> the, the hand will go up. Well, what about, what about the vibrating foam roller? Well, yeah, okay. If you're getting three hours of sleep a night for a month, I'm not sure whether it matters whether the foam roller vibrates or not. Oh, yeah, if you get my point, I'm... Sometimes it's it's simple enough to put on a paper napkin 
at a bar, but then we have to fill it up to, to, to for the various audiences that we have to instruct. Yeah. So. Well, let's get on to the, we're going to go to the topic of the day. We're going to take a short break here, and then we're going to talk about, aside from Dan John's website, what you can do if you're locked up in your house right now. <laughs> Sounds good. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text uh, Keto ebook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it. Do it now. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, There is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, we're back, and like most people in the the world, I guess right now, we're all kind of uh, stuck to our houses, and we got Dan John with us, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about. I've had tons of questions, as I'm sure most people that train people have in the last week or two, about like people freaking out. What the hell do I do now that I'm at home? I don't have a gym, uh, <laughs> and it's it, it amazes me at times that people have no clue. But uh, we're going to try and give you a clue today because we've got the, the king of keeping things simple. Yep. Can, uh, I, can I comment but, on a few things here? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, first, it's interesting because I think that everybody oh, – I think that on the other side of this, we're going to be – America is going to be a healthier place. Um, here's a big one. I know people who eat out twice a day. Twice a day – and there's nothing wrong with eating out, folks. I'm not an anti-restaurant, but – uh, the serving portions in America are massive at restaurants. Um, there's a good chance the oils they use for your food might not be the best for humans. Uh, right, right. So very simply, I think you're going to see a change in body composition for some people simply because they're not eating out twice a day. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, we're back to home cooking. Uh, and it's, it's, 
I've been interested talking to people. Um, every, almost everybody I know has moved to soups and stews. And I'm like, because I think soups and stews, by the way, are really good food for humans. You can t- put a ton of vegetables in there, yep. and you don't even know they're in there, okay? Um, uh, I've noticed in my neighborhood, lots and lots of people walking. Uh, mm-hmm. I've also been, now, from personal experience and from what I've heard, people seem to be spending a lot more time in bed now, not just sleeping. Because, you know, after you binge-watch Netflix for eight hours, it's time to do something else. Uh-huh. And, and I think on the other side, when we come through this, those simple changes are going to be huge uh, for many Americans. Uh, and I can't speak to other countries. The second thing is a lot of people um, are discovering now that the, the immune system isn't a pill you can take. Well, <laughs> uh, lean body mass isn't a pill you can take. Uh, good recovery is not a pill. And sadly, Americans like taking, is there a vaccine? Can I have a pill? Well, the immune system gets built up from what I've read and from my own experience by doing things like going for a walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the immune system gets built up by, uh, well, vitamin D is an important part of the immune system. Um, the, the lymphatic system, the only way you can work it is movement. Movement makes the lymphatic system move. And so I think a lot of people are discovering that the decisions they made for 10, 15 years to go outside and exercise and eat, eat better and drink water are going to put them in a situation where their immune system is going to be where it needs to be. And the final point, and I just hate to be so take over everything, but the final point is that a lot of people discovered that um, it's pretty easy to have a home gym. All you, I mean, I mean, my friend Anne, all she has is one dumbbell, so she's doing these little videos of her training with just the single dumbbell. Uh, a home gym can be a single kettlebell, a dumbbell, or nothing. You know, uh, John F. Kennedy, when he came out with the presidential uh, fitness program, you know, all the exercises they had were all very simple calisthenics, very simple, what we would call today planks. And then they had exercises they called circulatory exercises like jumping jacks and running in place. So it's very, very simple Mm -hmm. to to make a home workout. The, The hardest thing for most people is that we've been kind of being... And it's all of our faults, um, you know. But you need the Nautilus double leg machine mm. to to work your quads, and then you need a hamstring machine to work your hamstrings. Oh, I need a vertical press and a vertical uh, horizontal press machine. And the truth is, you know, push ups are pretty good exercise. Going for a walk is pretty good too. So those are yeah. my three big points. Yeah. yeah. No. No, and I mean it led to me like right before this. I, I I'm working on a. I've got a slight knee issue, so nothing, nothing horrible, but it's keeping me from squatting. I was like, what the hell can I do? And I just, I remembered your 10,000 swings article and I just posted this the other day. So I started that last Saturday and I was like, it honestly ended up being the perfect time for such a workout. And now like six or seven of my people that they've decided just not to come to my gym, even though my gym's still open, they made the choice. They want to stay home, which is great. Um, It helps us all. But uh, I sent them home with equipment. Here, take a kettlebell on a band. (laughs) This is is what you're going to do. Nice. Uh, It's amazing how it's like your old one lift a day articles and things like that. You can can get a hell of a workout, and I would argue uh, potentially even a better workout um, if you just keep things simple. Uh, Like I've talked about this before. People, if, if somebody comes to my facility and, you know, how do I hit everything? And I was like, well, let's go squat, and we're going to squat for an hour and a half. (laughs) <laughs> and once once we're done doing that, tell me what we missed. <laughs> and, uh, it's usually nothing, you know, and we probably hit things more than more than they ever have. So, yeah, front front squat for forty five minutes, and then say what yeah. muscle does this build? Well, yeah, <laughs> and eat your fiber, my friend. Eat a lot of fiber because you're not gonna. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I. If you don't mind, I, I and I'm not a Pollyanna. I, I, I am an optimist. There's no question about that. But I, I do think that on the other end of this, a lot of people, when they go back to the full gym, they'll be like, there'll be some insights. Like, I don't need to wait in line for the leg extension machine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can get a good workout doing, uh, doing this and doing that. You know. 
Yeah. No, it's it's good to look at the positive. So where would you start with somebody? Let's say they have nothing. They have oh. zero equipment to their disposal. Well, that's okay. let's just go through some real simple things. But uh, first off, you know, probably one of the, the best things you can do I, if is, is obviously walk. And to make walking a little bit better, uh, steal your kid's backpack and put a load in there. I mean, uh, the load, I mean, I'm just looking at a stack of books right there or bricks or we throw a kettlebell in a backpack. But doing a doing about a 30 to 35 pound load in a backpack for a walk completely changes the dynamic of walking. And if you really want to do something, here's a great workout. Okay. Um, get, get, get a set of gloves and get a, a, a garbage bag and go to a park and pick up the garbage on your walk. <laughs> you will come home the next day. Your lower back and hamstrings will be singing because of all the bending over and the world will be a better place. So I would say walking and rucking. Uh, rucking is loaded walking first. Uh, I'm a huge believer in the push-up position plank, uh, the up position plank, um, and, of course, push-ups. Push-ups, you know, they're underrated and overrated at the same time. And the, the truth is it's a good exercise. It's pretty solid. Um, I'm a big believer in the, uh, the glute bridge, too, uh, the, the hip thrust bridge. Uh, if you just, if and of course you could also just do and what I call we call them doorknob squats. You grab a doorknob with straight arms, uh, you do your Mister Universe uh, big chest, and you just slide up, you know, squat up and down. So if you just did, you know, air squats or doorknob squats, glute bridge, push up, and go for a walk, that's pretty good. Now listen, is it perfect? No. And nothing is ever perfect. Mm -hmm. um, the great insight of Billy Graham: If you ever find a perfect church, join it, and it won't be perfect. <laughs> and it won't be perfect anymore. Uh, you'll never find a perfect program. There's, and for those of you who competed, and and I know some of you here, uh, powerlifting and bodybuilding, I guarantee, as you came into the last few days, you had some insights about how to make your peak better the next time, or maybe a week after the competition, you said. Okay, this was a mistake. This was a mistake. But 12 weeks ago, it was a really good program, and yet now you've made it better. So we're always, we're always on the search for better. Mm -hmm. Never perfect. Always just a little better. So if you do have load at home, uh, boy, I'm a big fan of goblet squats. Whoever invented that was a genius. Um, half kneeling presses. That's where you put one knee on the ground, and you do presses overhead. Goblet squats and those half kneeling presses, and for every adult listening, that will do more for your hips and your total body lubrication than all the nonsense uh, of, a, of an hour and a half yoga class. Yeah. Hey, you guys, let me ask you this. This is something I've often had sort of a dearth of <laughs> nice word, not enough ideas as far as targeting back. Like if you're going to do calisthenics type stuff, um, what would you guys do to work lats or, you know, maybe traps, something like that? It always seemed to me like chest, shoulders, even legs, that kind of stuff came to me very easily. And maybe I'm thinking too much like a bodybuilder, right? Isolationist, yes. like just think about my, my lats. But lats or traps or upper back, like do you guys have some ideas there? Well, I mean, besides chin-ups. Well, um, yeah, right. You know, uh, chin-ups would be the first thing. And then you can go with simple things, in my opinion. You know, if you have a band, great. If you don't, there are lots of things in your house that weigh something. You know, from books to backpacks to uh, and just any kind of rowing is going to work. Mm -hmm. So anytime you drive that elbow backwards towards your hip with load. Yeah, I've had people who are not in maybe a little bit more deconditioned take like those old big containers of laundry soap and they have a handle on them so they can mm -hmm. kind of be like a poor man's dumbbell. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've done stuff at home like cross bench pullovers. You know, you grab something, yeah, of some kind of weight, even, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds and just do sort of pullovers, you know, um, mm -hmm. sitting down next to a bench and, you know, leaning crossways across it and. 
and just trying to get the lats in a different way. It's just it's the kind of thing that I when I used to do taekwondo training, we would even do stuff in the gym after we did stuff like um, V sits or push ups or you know different calisthenics. We would actually lay on our stomachs and plant our palms above our foreheads, laying laying prone on the ground, and then pull like almost drag yourself across the mat, you know, um, to try mm-hmm. to almost do sort of a imitate a chin, like if you don't have a chin bar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's just a kind of thing. I guess, yeah, the, the, the dummy um, in me is thinking, well, maybe you just pick up something, you know, like Phil's like, you know, be a grown-ass man and pick up something heavy. That's going to work mm-hmm. yeah. your back along with everything else, right? Help your friend move. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you've, you've, you've highlighted the classic issue of calisthenics and bodyweight training. Uh, calisthenics, bodyweight training, uh, basic gymnastics training, all are really good, but then there's that gap. Uh, but the barbell is really, really a good thing, except you can't do pull-ups with it. So if you follow my point, um, the kettlebell can be a really good thing, but it's terrible for deadlifts. So, okay, so we're going to do three sets of 20 in the deadlift. Well, okay, with the kettlebell. Okay, that's fine. But trust me, doing five sets of five with 405 is a lot more taxing than three sets of 20 with a 53-pound kettlebell. Mm-hmm. So every every piece of equipment has a hole, has a gap that needs to be filled. And, of course, now you keep filling that gap until you have, you know, one of these 24-7 gyms where they have everything, which means you'll do nothing. And then so you're going to throw out all those machines. You're going to get back to just, I'm just going to have one kettlebell and one pull-up bar and an ab wheel and a barbell and a farmer bars and a yoke and a big time so that's so no matter what you do for a home gym there's always going to be some kind of gap um so and and i and i actually think that's a good thing because when you use your imagination to come get around that is i think when you really make a good home gym and i don't want to brag but men's health did call my garage america's top gym so i you know Mm -hmm. my home gym is pretty good nice yeah. So, but you, everything we're going to talk about is going to have a gap and a hole in it. Yeah. When it comes, but and, and here's the thing, and that's okay. I love Marty Gallagher's new thing, where he's where this series of articles he's been writing about this his powerlifting team only trains one day a week mm-hmm. because these are all busy people and they can only commit to one workout a week and they're making amazing progress. Mm-hmm. Now, so I can see a hand going up. Uh, wouldn't it be better if they train more than one day a week? Well, yeah. But they can't. So let's let's talk about what we can do and not what we can't do. And I think that's the key to good coaching. Yeah, yeah. It's a you know it's one of those deals. A problem is only a problem if there's a solution. If there's no solution to it, you just work around it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not an option. So why are we even talking about that? Yeah. Well, if you have a if you have a normal barbell, an adjustable barbell, and it's too light, what I usually do is add weight to it. And if it's too heavy. We take weight off. Yeah. Um, pretty simple solution, right? Right. Uh, if all you have is a single kettlebell and you want to get it heavier, well, now you have a problem. I don't know how to add weight to a kettlebell. Um, you know, if yeah, so if if you want to do pull-ups, you you, you got to find a bar or, or a tree to do them on there. And that's that to me is a, a simple, elegant solution. Go go to a park and play on the monkey bars. You know, that's a great workout, by the way. Well, and you can't get away from like one of your books is written totally about it. Uh, loaded carries right now, mm-hmm. Pick, picking up anything. You, know? mm-hmm. um, you can't get enough of that. Like that was a big part of me for. Well, anyone I have that can't squat correctly, anyone I have that has abdominal issues or hip issues, or like when I was rehabbing my hip, yeah. a big part of that was loaded carries. I mean, you can't. There's no better way to teach somebody how to be stacked than load something and make them move. Make a move, yeah. And they have to. Like, you can't walk correctly <laughs> unless you're in an anatomical position that's good. Uh, right. So. Well, so I, I appreciate when people say, you know, I can't do this and I can't do that. Um, I like this conversation because sometimes they will come up with the answer themselves as soon as we give them permission to think outside Muscle and Fitness magazine. You know, or or whatever the magazine the month. I don't know if that even exists anymore. But um, when 
when you see, and they're all bullshit articles. They just invented it. TC was the right form told me that. But, you know, when the guy's doing 27 different variations of the wrist, uh, of the, you know, of the form work, and, well, I can't do that. I don't have, you know, an easy curl bar. Do I need to buy an easy curl mm-hmm. bar? You know, and no, you don't need to. You could just, like, you know, just get thick bars and do a farmer walk with thick bars. Yeah. Trust me, your grip will be amazing. Yeah. So it is, sometimes the solutions aren't quite, simple and simple is pretty elegant you know let's talk more about your uh your site i mean i think this is like we talked about in the break here it almost ended up being an accidental great time for this thing to come out um this would give people somewhere to go well for for this the best thing so here's how my brain has always worked when somebody asks me a question the very first thing i've always asked is what equipment do you have? Like, for example, you know, if you want to be, Dan, I want to do the Olympic lifts. Well, do you have an Olympic bar? Well, no. Well, you know, that's kind of an issue. That's going to be a hard one to get around because the sport involves this piece of equipment. It's like, I want to be a discus thrower. Do you have a discus? Well, no. I have a rock. Well, okay, it's different, you know. So after I ask, what equipment do you have? Then the, this next question is, how many days a week do you want to work out? Okay. After that, how long? Okay, and then then we I can piece together a workout for you. So I always start with what do you have, how much time do you have, what do you know how to do, and then from there. And well, what's nice about the workout generator that's on the site is you press three or four buttons, and it takes all that information in and tells you what to do. My favorite thing about the workout generator is this, we have there's a little chart. And you just press on it. So if you ha- do you have kettlebells, you press kettlebell. Dumbbell, yes, no. Uh, Pull-up bar, boom, boom. Ab wheel, t- you know, suspension trainer, whatever. And it makes the workout based on the equipment that you have. And then I just get I get a little, a little chubby in my pants, I tell you, when I, when I think about this. Because it's exactly the way we should program. And Brian did a great job. So, and again, folks... For three uh, for a three month membership during these tough times, just type in all caps Corona and it's twenty nine bucks for three months, which is uh, basically uh, what a fourth or fourth of the price or something like that. But we still have to charge. I'm sorry, but we have it's expensive to run a site. So this site, you know, Dan, it's almost it's almost like an behind the scenes yes no algorithm. You know, it's like AI. It's like it's like a simplified AI where if you're just answering yes, no, and by doing these things, like yes, I have a dumbbell, no, I don't have a barbell, right? Then it's it's eliminating the superfluous crap, and you end up with something you can actually do, something actionable. So I like that a lot. I, okay, uh, so it's like this question I get when I, I'm a big believer, like in overhead squats and front squats. So people email me and they say, "Well, I'm trying to do overhead squats. I have a problem." Well, one of the first things often they're trying to do them with like dumbbells or kettlebells. Well, the tool is a barbell for overhead squats. And I guess you can do a circus trick with the other things, but I'm not going to, I wouldn't have anybody I like to do it. That's, you know, I don't like weights overhead. I, I think that's dangerous to get hit in the head with a weight. R- write that down, doctors. You guys are doctors. Write that down. <laughs> and John is against getting hit in the head with heavy weights. Uh, <laughs> But uh, sometimes people will, will try to do this thing. They don't have the equipment. They don't have the background. And they're trying to do it because they read it. And the truth is what you should be doing is with the equipment you have and with the toolkit you have, just go do the workout and then learn and practice this other thing you want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that's so basic. Yeah. Mike, what about – when you work with clients and stuff, you do a lot of the distance stuff. Um, do they all have home gyms and stuff? What, what do you, what do you do with them? Yeah, it was, I love what Dan Don just said there too, because one of the big questions I have on the forum is exactly what he just said. Like what equipment do you have access to? If they're not sure, I even had them just take pictures of their, you know, commercial gym. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how often can you work out? Like what is the length of time? What do you I have a little list that says what are you proficient in? They kind of rate that beginner, intermediate, expert, and then I use that as the the basis that feeds into a little assessment that I run through. But in the past, before I even had a more 
I guess, complicated assessment, I would just do something off of that. Because the biggest mistake I made when I was starting was you can write something that's quote unquote perfect, right? Which nothing is. But if the first question they look at it and they're like, hey, uh, I can do five days a week and you wrote six days a week. I can't do this at all, right? That's just like a, yes. a binary thing that their brain just dumps everything that you did. And part of that, I think, is because they're subconsciously thinking that, hey, you idiot, I told you I could do this and you didn't even listen to me. <laughs> so just by starting with the super basics from there, <clears throat> then I write, write it up. And then my basis from there is just to how can I spread out the amount of stress over the course of the week? And I have like a little list of principles I use to kind of write up stuff from there. And even if you just have a couple of those basic principles, set principle, how do you spread out stress? How do they recover? You're probably going to get pretty darn close to a good program for the vast majority of people, even if you're not able to to do an assessment. Yeah. You know, so much of the, the theme here, I think, with what you guys are saying, like the whole keep it simple, you know, Danny John kind of approach, I think, is by, by removing fancy uh, machines at the gym. They're, you know, they're also like uniplanar and isolationist, you know, and everything you guys are talking about is so much more dynamic. And like when, when I, um, when I moved back here from Minnesota years ago, uh, my home gym, I bought a barbell and two uprights. That was it. Yeah. That was it, you know? Um, and I mean, to this day, it's, it's barely more than that. I got a couple of dumbbells and stuff, but yeah, I mean, and it's because of that, you know, the core stability and, you know, like with the overhead squat thing, all the different things that come into play, you're actually doing yourself a favor. It's it's not that different from the the variety that you would get like when uh, – like, Dan, you're talking about like almost like the forgotten kitchen skills and you're back to actually having to make some stews and throw some veggies in there. This is not hard, but it's the same thing. It, to me, there's so many parallels between nutrition and, and exercise, right? And going back to some basics like some kitchen skills and freestanding lifts or, or calisthenic type stuff, it's probably something where a lot of our listeners would actually be – repairing or filling a gap that they might have developed, you know, if they have done isolationist bodybuilding training or just the big three lifts and powerlifting, although that's obviously much better than isolation lift. But you get my my point. It's almost like this return to what the human body understands in a way. Wouldn't you agree it's true in every area of life? I mean, I always call them, the, I call them the Fs, you know, fitness, food, finance, family, friends. Um, all those things have the same basic uh, coach mom taught me little and often over the long haul. Uh, like you were, you mentioned, if you're going to work out five days a week at home, which you're going to probably find naturally, you're going to wave in a hard workout, a medium workout, a light, a tonic workout. You're going to, if, if, if you're like me and I, I believe you should do the basics every day for, I didn't say squat heavy every day. I said, you should squat every day. But what's going to happen over a week where you're doing air squat one day and a goblet squat the next day, we'll just say, you know, another day has your front squatting. You're squatting, you're squatting, you're squatting. All of a sudden, you're going to fill these the, the gaps. I got back this gaps thing again, but it, you're you're going to you're going to be asking your body to do things and adapt and accommodate in a variety of ways every single day. And you're going to come back fresher and happier the next day because you're learning. And I think, I think when the, I don't, I'm not against leg extension and leg curls, but it's pretty easy to master the leg extension after about one rep. But when you're doing something like my friend Ann the other day sent me a video of her doing uh, uh, jumping goblet squats, and I looked at that and I was like, that is a it's a home for a home exercise. She's you know she drops in the hole on the goblet squat comes firing up, gets, you know, gets, gets some air with the weight in her hand, catches it and does another rep. And I'm looking at that thinking, you know, that would have been a, fen- that's a phenomenal exercise for an elite athlete. And she's doing it just to get a workout in at home. And all of a sudden my brain is going, I'm not forgetting that Jim. I mean, if I'm working with a, a, a room 65 athletes at once, the jumping goblet squat is going to be part of what we're going to do. If, if they're not idiots, mm-hmm. yeah. the whole idiot, the whole idiot thing always has to be added right there at the end. Yeah, because you know the idiot factor can really hurt any exercise. Uh, 
teach Olympic lifting to uh, 14-year-old boys sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I had that one time I had, a, oh, it was, we had to be in the 50s or 60s uh, at once uh, teaching the Olympic list. And this person was there going, haven't you noticed that some of the boys aren't keeping up? And I kind of had to bite my tongue for a moment to say, uh, I'll just say, let's just say Captain Obvious, but there was more adjectives in my head than just that. Uh, there's a good chance with those 14 year there's some of those 14-year-old boys that aren't keeping up. You know, in the algebra class, they're not keeping up either. In the geography class, they're not keeping up either. Uh, what day you're supposed to wear a blue shirt, they're not following that either. Some people lag behind. And uh, you, so the idiot factor is always a big factor um, when you're chain, uh, training advanced things. Yeah. One other comment I'll throw in too, and I know Dan has talked a lot about this, is you know, even if you don't have uprights and you're like, well, how do I squat? You can look back in time and see what they did. You can look up a Steinborn lift, which may yeah. freak you out, and not saying you need to run out and do that right away, but. Most people could do some version of a Zercher lift or set it up on taped phone books if you've got a lightweight. Or There's ways you can get around a lot of the limitations that we have now, but it may require you to do a little poking and digging and experiment. And There's other versions out there other than just the, the standard ones we see all the time. When I, when I had a situation where all I had was a barbell in my home and not very much weights, I would clean it and do eight front squats. I would snatch yeah do eight uh, overhead squats and what i discovered is that stuff carried over more to an olympic lifting meet than the nonsense i was doing in the rack mm -hmm. so i was had big numbers in the squat in the rack but it wasn't carrying over on the platform and the clean and jerk mm -hmm. but when i started doing the clean and followed by front squats mm -hmm. completely changed of course the limiting thing is can you clean it so the way i got around that is i just went higher on the reps uh, so yeah I, I think what, what we're talking a lot about here is how by using your imagination, you really can you really can discover some things about your training that you might miss when you're in that perfect gym. Mm -hmm. uh, when people come and train with me, they say, you get ready for Olympic lifting with this bar, my bar, my bar is a terrible bar. Mm -hmm. And I'm, yeah, but you know, when I go to a meet, I know that I'm going to snatch and clean and jerk a hell of a lot more because the, the weights are going to actually rotate every single time versus what happens in my own gym. You know, uh, I don't, I don't have bumpers, you know, so I have to be careful about putting them down. And people go, well, in my gym, we just drop them. Right. And in my gym, you have to carry them down slowly, which I think makes you better on the platform because now I've got that little extra reserve that you might not have. So there is a lot of value to not training in perfect situations. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys, the um, the parallels between nutrition and exercise, like I've already gone on about this, but like the, one of the parallels here is we've all seen research that when you expose people to an unlimited buffet, they will eat and even overeat those foods because they're simply available. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. You walk into a, a box gym, you know, like a big box, you know, chain gym, and there's this buffet of nonsense. And so you overindulge mm -hmm. in these these unidirectional isolationist machines, right, instead of maybe having some variety in your diet, in this case, in, in your <laughs> exercise uh, movement diet, right, because it's all provided. And, yeah, so people, I think it's natural, it's human nature to indulge in what's provided and spread out before you instead of having to think through and be creative and use a single dumbbell or something like that. Well, I, there's your article right there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I, and I mean that. Uh, that is a brilliant article because what you're arguing, okay, my napkin nutrition, and I hope you agree with it, Lonnie, uh, eat vegetables, eat protein, drink water. Are you okay with that? Oh, I am. Yeah. Okay. So that's the napkin. But when I take the napkin to the, we have a place uh, about a mile from here called Golden Corral. The fact that, <laughs> A buffet is called Golden Corral should really hint about the problems you're going to have if you eat there too often. <laughs> uh, but if you take that to Golden Corral and you follow that sage advice, you're going to do okay. But your point is, and then, but what about that dessert? It's not just a table. It's a dessert aisle. There's a dessert <laughs> aisle. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
all of a sudden you're going past there and every one of your senses is being, you know, is being tweaked. I like this. That make a very, very insightful article. Um, you know, and uh, here's, okay, here's my, uh, here's my napkin on how to train in the weight room. Push, pull, hinge, squat, load, and carry. Someone always raises their hand and say, well, what about this? And I'm always like, well, after you farmer walk, front squat, deadlift, uh, bench press, and do pull-ups, then ask me about that other act- exercise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but if you cover the napkin, you, you things get pretty good. But what happens is, and I love your point, you go to Golden Corral and all of a sudden you're heaping that plate up with, oh, look, I found the mashed potatoes. Well, they're not potatoes, but go ahead and enjoy. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, another thing that's worth mentioning that I've seen, and I'm sure we've all seen it, when you have a person that has, oh, let's say you have 10 different exercises they need to run through in a training program, you know, so you've got this laundry list of crap you need to do. Mm-hmm. And... You know, then we have this other person that has one thing to do, maybe two. Let's say they have two things to do. Generally, the person with one or two things to do, they'll do that one to two things very intensely and with purpose. Whereas the person with 10 things to do, usually it's like, yeah, okay, well, I got to squat first, but then I have to do this, 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 this. They're going to hold back and try and reserve something for that other stuff. Whereas if I take a person's like, all you're going to do, like we talked about earlier, squat. Oh, you're going to push that squat hard because you know this is all I get to do. So yeah, let's yeah. push this damn thing. <laughs> no, I, I agree. With you. We have this one workout where we're getting people ready for the kettlebell cert. It's uh, Tuesday, and your job is to do this only the kettlebell snatch, and it's three sets, each are 100 reps. Mm-hmm. And people look at that and go, well, that's not very much. Well, have that's you done it? Have you yeah. done <laughs> You know, I get stinky eyes. After the first go round, now the weights are light; they're twelve kilo, ten kilo, whatever. But it's the idea that all it is is three times a hundred, because the snatch test is hundred, and that's why we do that. To I'm a, I'm a trap coach, so I see if you tell me to do a hundred reps in a thing, that, that's not sixty one reps. You said a hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're running the four hundred meters and I'm in the lead at three hundred eighty meters and stop, I still lose when everyone goes past me. So, so that's my vision. But you're right. The intensity of having just one exercise. Um, that's what I discovered about the One Lift a Day program was yeah. uh, Monday's power snatch. And when I got in, you know, we power snatched. And if, mm-hmm. uh, I looked at the clock and 15 minutes had gone by, but I got seven sets of five in the power snatch. Mm-hmm. I'm done. That's a good workout. Yeah. You know, yeah. and goes up. Well, what about your adductors? Uh, we'll deal with those the next day. Or your, your obliques. Trust me, you worked your obliques. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we'll call it there. We've been just over an hour. Dan, thank you for joining us. Um, Definitely. Everybody, danjohnuniversity.com is the new website if you want to check that out. And, uh, and you know, Mason. Everyone, danjohn.net, folks. I'm not trying to make money off you. <clears throat> it's all free. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and we didn't even have this planned. Oddly enough, we I, I knew nothing about the danjohnuniversity.com when I called Dan and asked him to be on. So it just happened to be the perfect yeah. timing. Right. So, yeah, I think our um, listeners know that we're not out to sell anything. <laughs> yeah, right so, yeah, they're pretty good with that. So everybody stay safe. Um, yeah, and let's, let's stay caught up. Yeah, we'll see you next week, everybody. Let's do this again. Guys, okay? Totally. Yeah. Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store. Uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. 
protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.